0: All right, fellas, we out, we out. We got to get our show going. You know what I'm saying? We appreciate the cross talk, but it is time to get after it. Chip and Zay, welcome in, you crazy kids. Welcome to, I mean, the place to be, Texas Sports Unfiltered. Our man, Brad Kellner, you saw him in that last little box right there. Um, heck, he was an intern when I was uh, you know, telling everybody happiness is a choice. In the immortal words of the great Judy Brown, Um, I like to start things off that way to remind people that if you're down in the dumps, just kind of pick your way out of it because happiness is a choice. Don't let anyone rule you, rule your feelings, rule how you feel about yourself. Just do you. And uh, that's kind of what Zay and I are doing right here from one to three. You know what I'm saying? Zay, what's up, my man?
1: Chip, what's happening, man? Great to be back for episode two. Yesterday was great and ready for another good one. Episode
0: two. I mean, I we're, we're like newborn babies here. <laughs> Welcome in. Congratulate us on our birth of, of our little show here. Uh, Chip and Zay, man.
1: Um, yeah, but Before we get started, because I've been listening to Buck and BK and Trey and BK and stuff. And yo, BK, man. I don't know how we should feel, Chip, about investing so much in Brad when he's out here with his cousin betting on NFL preseason games. See, I don't know if I should be concerned.
0: He's a a stone-cold degenerate. (laughs) You bet on NFL preseason games, you are a stone-cold degenerate.
1: Oh, Oh, you're in a place, man. You're in a place. Love BK, but man. Uh, and I get it. I, I get why he did it. He bet on the Ravens commanders game last night and the Ravens, as we talked about with Sam Cosme yesterday, the Ravens were 24 and Oh up to that point. So you would think history would repeat itself and they would go 25 and though, but that did not happen. The commanders got the dub and yeah, I guess. Oh yeah. Magic Johnson
0: was tweeting out. Magic Johnson was tweeting out. Cause he's one of the new owners of the commanders. He was like, Hey, Ending that Ravens winning streak in uh, the preseason sure was fun. I was like, go, Magic. Man, do whatever you got to do to stir up some hype, get some love going, get the circle of trust going. If it takes beating the Ravens in an NFL preseason game for everybody to throw throw their hands
1: in the air like they don't care, then let's go. Yeah, Magic he's always been a happy fellow which with everything that he's gone through the fact that he's still able to be happy is very, you know, yeah. enlightening. But yeah, oh, I remember 92 we thought he was a goner. Exactly. You thought he was gone and he looks, he looks great oh he looks amazing traveling on vacation with Samuel Jackson and his wife and Michael Jordan and we know the type of businessman he is but yeah just remember watching different types of Magic Johnson documentaries and he could get a little bit overexcited for a very basic game like you saw him tweeting yesterday for that preseason game the very first game of his NBA career Kareem Abdul-Jabbar hit a game-winning skyhook against the then San Diego Clippers and Magic was hugged and Kareem like they won one of their first rings. So, you know, Magic, he's a different type of fella and uh, you know, it's good to embrace everything, even preseason games, even though some of us like myself don't give a rat's crap about them.
0: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So, you know what I'm doing but, right now? What what are you doing? I'm I'm telling everybody to come get it right now, Chip and Zay, on the uh, on the Texas Sports Unfiltered app. There we so go. I'm just uh, making sure that everybody knows where they're going, making yeah. sure that they're coming in, playing yeah, subscribe,
1: our subscribe, like, our song. Everything. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So before we get going, going, Chip, because we kind of touched on this yesterday when we were leaving the show, your weekend was very eventful. Like you had on Sunday. Well, first you got to meet my lovely wife and it was nice coming over to your house. Eleanor, she's absolutely amazing. And Tiger, that's my guy, too. But you on Sunday got to play golf. With the manager of the Texas Longhorn baseball team, David Pierce, which not too many people do. We know you're very exclusive in what you do since you've been around so long and done such a great job. But not too many people can say they play golf with the skipper. How was that? How was your game? How was his game?
0: Well, I'm sure you're going to start calling me Great Hills Brown, which uh, (laughs) has been tossed out there. Uh, But listen, I joined Great Hills when it was cheap. Now it's all fancy and bougie, like you like to say, and so <laughs> somehow, some way, there was a, a Texas baseball NIL dinner at the club, and I was invited to to go, and and all of a sudden, you know, David Pierce is there, uh, Steve Rodriguez, uh, one of the assistant coaches, Chris Gordon, the the pitching analytics coach, and and David Pierce let's be known. He's never played at the club. I was like, well, hell I'll invite you to play. How about Sunday? And he's like, you know what? Let's do it. So we played, we played golf and he's good stick. I mean, you would think a baseball guy, good swing. And it was fun. It was fun. We had a, we had a good time. I I did anyway. He may never talk to me again, but you know, it was uh <laughs> It was fun by my book and, and hopefully we'll, you know, we'll get after it again. And, um, and, and he's look, he's fired up about Texas baseball. And, um, you know, we were talking about this a little bit yesterday, Zay and, and David Pierce is going to be his own pitching coach. And, you know, he, he gets that he's tough uh, for pitching coaches because there's a certain way he wants things done and he and for him to get it that way he's going to have to do it himself and and so he's he's down for it he's he's betting on himself he's done it a long time he was the pitching coach for Wayne Graham at Rice when Rice was a national power going to the world series beating the Texas Longhorns in 03 um but he's he's good with that and of course the funniest line was about Troy Tulowitzki cuz Troy Tulowitzki's back. He's director of player development. He said people keep coming up to me saying, "What's Troy Tulowitzki's title going to be?" And he said, "Troy Tulowitzki."
1: <laughs> like
0: he's just Troy Tulowitzki. Like he is baseball. He eats, drinks and sleeps it whatever. You need from him, he'll give it to you. But there's no there's no title for him other than Troy Tulowitzki. So, yeah. I think he feels good about that.
1: Yeah, I remember Tulewiski during his Rockies days playing that shortstop position. And if it wasn't for injuries, then he might be in Copenhagen. You know, he had a lot of nicks and knacks, but when he was out there, he was top tier, gold glove type guy. And how could you not want to listen to somebody with that type of background? Because that's where all these kids want to be. Once you get to the 40 acres and we know how iconic Texas baseball is. But once you get there, everybody wants to get to the show. And you got to listen to guys like Troy Tulewiski because he's been there and done that. So that, that's cool that you got to play golf with Piers. It's interesting that you said his swing is good because usually I've heard that baseball players, when they try to play golf, it's a different swing and they try to do the same type of thing, same type of mechanics and stuff, and that could get it all messed up and get things a little bit fuzzy. But it seems like the skipper, he could really go.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's going to be um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be interesting. I think he likes the the talent that he's brought in and the portal. Will Mercer, big, strong lefty from Notre Dame and um, got got some guys, young guys back. Uh, Jalen Flores, some of the young sticks who were starting to emerge at the end of last year. And um, you got Tanner Witt and LeBaron Johnson back. Is a pretty good one to punch, so um, yeah. If
1: Tanner Witt could get that confidence back, man, that would be huge.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think that's you know part of what David Pierce, part of the reason he wants to be the pitching coach is, you know, he wants to help get Tanner Witt right, get him back, get it, get him right, and um, you know, Pierce has a, a way of going about it, and and so he's gonna. He's going to bet on himself. And, you know, he said he wanted them to be good early and great late last year. And they were, I mean, if Stanford has better lights in their outfield, Texas wins that game and they're, they're moving on, you know, to the yeah. college world series, but it didn't work that way. It's baseball as Augie used to say, Um, you know, it's, it's baseball. So the balls bounces, the, 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 heartbreak of the game it's a game of failure you know all that when you strike out seven of ten times and they call it a good day um you know that's the way it goes so it's it's gonna be fun to see how how you know Pierce gets it done but I think you know he's gone to the College World Series three times he's what 12 and 0 in regional play the last four years like he hasn't lost a game and and people are like Oh, you know, David Pierce, is he he on the hot? No, he's not on the hot seat. The guy's doing a good job of evaluating talent and developing it. That team was gutsy and tough last year, man. They rallied for some tough spots. They, Hell, they rallied to beat West Virginia in a sweep at home to get the number one seed in the Big 12 tournament and share the Big 12 regular season crown. So, And that was with a whole new coaching staff, nine newcomers, Um, You know, more newcomers than that, but nine that they counted on. And so it, uh, you know, I think the guy is, he's, he's even keel and that's what the players need. And, and, uh, and so we'll see how that goes, but yeah, it was a fun weekend. I I mean, it was fun having you over to the house.
1: Yo, Hey, your lady's lasagna chip serious. She put her foot in that thing, toenails and all that it was serious. Everything was good. Everything was good. I, I had a great time and it was nice meeting your family and being over at the Brown household. But yeah, man, we got some sports to talk today. Definitely on Chip and Zay, Texas sports unfiltered. Kelvin Banks and Xavier Worthy, they were nominated for AP preseason All-American honors for the second team. And Jalen Ford, he was nominated for the Sport News preseason All-American team, the second team. All three of those guys, were expecting to have big-time seasons. We know Xavier Worthy has a big chip on his shoulder because his freshman year, great. Last year, it was a roller coaster, and now that he's healthy and with all these wide receivers that he has around him, they can't focus on him. Defensive coordinators and these defenses, they can't focus on him like they did last year, and we know Kelvin Banks had a just – monumental freshman season coming in. We expect him to be a first round pick in the 2025 draft. And then you got Jalen Ford, who again has another chip on his shoulder because he was a defensive player of the year with all those double-digit tackle games. He did not get that nomination. So all three of those guys, I expect to have big-time seasons and help lead this team to where they want to be, and that's to a Big 12 championship and giving themselves an opportunity to play for the college football playoff.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think I'll start with Xavier Worthy. I think this guy is... um You know he's a talent. I think he's he's uh, he's feeling it. He's he's feeling you know the presence of Ad Mitchell in a good way. Like Ad Mitchell's going to help Xavier Worthy get open, and and that's that's going to be fun. And Steve Sarkeesian has said we can move Xavier Worthy around, and defenses are going to have a hard hard time doubling him because you can play him in the slot, you can play him outside. Um, If A.D. Mitchell is as good as we all think he is, then the defense is going to have to shade toward A.D. Mitchell. I mean, the guy's 6'4", and he runs like the wind. You know, everyone says he's a big guy who moves like a small guy from twitchiness and just footwork, getting separation at the line of scrimmage to, you know, just the way that he can – flip his hips and and get defensive backs off balance. So, and then the contested catch part of it, I mean, I'm telling you, Zay, I think when you were going to fall in love with number five, because he can just throw it up there and he knows this guy's going to go get it. Um, I, the numbers could be interesting this year. I, I mean, it would not shock me if, if AD Mitchell leads this team in receiving yards, maybe receiving touchdowns, if not receptions, I mean, Worthy's probably still going to lead in receptions, but I could see where A.D. Mitchell leads in yards and and touchdown catches. We'll see. Um, Sarkeesian's put up some prolific, gaudy numbers in the passing game when he's got the kind of skill talent that he's got this year. Um, and so I, I think we could see, like, crazy jumps in numbers for Quinn for – Um, And maybe the numbers get spread around the receivers. I don't know that we have, you know, Jordan Shipley's single season record getting in jeopardy, 114 receptions, but um, you never know when, man, when an offense gets into a rhythm, when a quarterback gets into a rhythm and, you know, maybe the pass is setting up the run and you've got that flow going, the numbers can go crazy. And, and so, I'm not going to make any crazy predictions today, but I do think that Xavier Worthy is going to have a a really, a lot better, more enjoyable season this year than he had last year when he was kind of the guy, wasn't kind of the guy. He was the guy, 17 targets in that Oklahoma state game, four catches. Um, But I think you look at Kelvin Banks jr. All you hear is this guy comes to work every day, pissed off every day with a chip on his shoulder every day determined to get to get better and he's gonna take it out on somebody and i mean you listen to those defensive ends and they're like man Calvin banks is a handful why because he doesn't overreact he doesn't lean he doesn't get off balance man he waits he's like chuck norris he doesn't sleep he waits he waits for you to make the wrong step, and then he's going to either shove you to the side or he's going to, you know, put put his big, long left arm in your chest, and you're going to be like, Ugh! where am I going? Nowhere. <laughs> and that dude, you know, I, I tell this story, Zay, and I'll shut up and listen in a minute. But No, hey,
1: go ahead, go ahead.
0: But Kelvin Banks, his high school, he, he was on a team – that was trying to, you know, do some damage in the playoffs. Uh, The program hadn't been, uh, you know, incredible. Um, And so they had an offensive lineman who was not, we'll just say he's the weakest link, okay, on this offensive line, but they needed him to be everything he could be. And so Kelvin Banks uh, down there at Humble Summer Creek would go to lunch every day in the coach's office with this, Offensive guard who maybe wasn't the most athletic or the most talented offensive lineman, and would pump him up and make him think he was Zach Martin. And by God, they they did damage in the playoffs. And the coach at uh, at humble Summer Creek told me Kelvin Banks like willed our offensive line to you know, to keep us alive in the playoffs. And that's the kind of guy this is, you know, I mean, last year at fall camp, Jordan Whittington drops a pass and there's big 78 running down the field. It's okay. It's okay. We'll get him next time. And Jordan Whittington's like, who's this freshman telling me it's going to be okay. I love this guy, you know? And and then he gets out there and he's better than advertised. And that was what was so amazing is that, he gets up there against Alabama. He's he's going toe-to-toe with Will Anderson, with Dallas Carter. He doesn't give up a sack to, to Will Anderson. He doesn't give up a sack to Felix Duke Uzoma, to Will McDonald, uh, or to Tyree Wilson, all guys who were drafted in the first round last year. And you ask him about that, and he's like, that was a good experience. I learned a lot. <laughs> and you're like, wow. Like, yeah, no it, it was a good experience. Yeah. It was just what good learn? experience you learn? taking it to Will Anderson. It was nothing.
1: It was oh, yeah. nothing.
0: What'd you learn? What'd you learn, Calvin? Uh, you know what? I learned different guys have different moves. And I got to wait for those moves and know how to neutralize them. And you're like, man, this dude is ahead of his years. He's going to be in the NFL a long time.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. I haven't seen any mock drafts for 2025. It's probably too early to see him, but I really wouldn't be surprised if he was a top five pick. I mean, he's just well beyond his years when it comes to his maturity, kind of like you said, like just coming in. I remember the Bijan Robinson story where Bijan tried to joke with him during weightlifting and then Kelvin just looked at him like, yo, bro, I'm getting this work in. You better, oh, yeah. you better get it in too. yeah that's, like, that's uh, the other one.
0: Bijan comes in. Yeah. He's like, hey, we ready to get our we're ready to get our sweat on. And Banks is like, do you see me working? Do you see me yeah. already full of sweat? Do you see this?
1: Yeah, this is what was like, do. Okay, yeah. carry on, big man. Carry on. Exactly. This is what he does. And it's crazy because this offensive line, they got some dudes. And, you know, with Christian Jones coming back, I thought he had a very good season last year. So him coming back, that just adds more to this offensive line. Uh, You think about guys like Cole Hudson and Jake Majors and Hayden Connor. And hell, even D.J. Campbell, I heard, has been very good. D.J. Campbell is your starting
0: right guard. Really? Yeah, he is. They the you know we know that Sarkeesian and Kyle Flood love large humans. Well DJ Campbell's 343 pounds and he can move. Now if he gets tired they'll bring in Cole Hudson. Um Cole Hudson though has been training a lot at center. Um he's right now the lead backup to Jake Majors at center and you know Cole's a a bigger a bigger dude, but he can, he, he, Cole Hudson can play left guard, center, and right guard. DJ Campbell can only play right guard, and so they're fine with that. He's big. He's right next to Christian Jones. They've got to get better on the interior. They feel like DJ Campbell can be a road grader, road, you know, run blocker, um, and man, he's getting tested by this Texas defensive line, but that's the that's the move. And and Hayden Connor. I mean, Kyle Flood talked about how Hayden Connor is like totally remade his body. He's more athletic. He's been doing yoga. He's
1: trying to stretch. You doing yoga, Zay? You got some yoga going Yo, over there? I, I got. I'm the least flexible guy you ever meet in your life. I need to. I should. I should get on some yoga, but yeah, you can get or any flexible. type of yeah, any type of meditation or something like that. I need to look into. Because that definitely could help me now that I'm getting older and older, well, and those bones aren't what they used to be. So yeah, yeah, yeah you're, you're right. <laughs> I stretch. I got to
0: stretch. If I'm gonna keep playing tennis and golf, I got to stretch, or I'm gonna be like soft tissue injury hell.
1: Yeah, yeah, you got. But you gotta I'll, I'll say careful. this, Xavier
0: Worthy. You know he. He said that it was kind of getting to him. He was looking at social media last year. People were getting on him for the drops. And he said his mom told him to get into some meditation. And so he would meditate. Sometimes he would meditate on the field at DKR by himself in an empty stadium. And he would, you know, do the breathing and the stuff that kind of helps you take your mind off your, your worries.
1: Yeah, because it was brutal for him when it came to social media, just everybody getting after him. And it was tough. After the Alamo Bowl, it was tough. And there was a lot of speculation on if Xavier Wordy would return to the University of Texas for this 2023 season, because we know all the money that's getting thrown around now in NIL. And, you know, you talked about the money that Malik Murphy was promised at the University of Florida, which we'll get to – Florida later on a different topic but yeah man it's you just never know and I I salute Xavier Worthy for understanding that hey I didn't have my best year a lot of that was due to not being healthy and I know him and Quinn Ewers are roommates but it seemed like they were sharing clothes the way that Quinn Ewers would just focus on him during the game it's like man we got anybody else on the field we could throw to because that number 13 I mean he was a 13 last year but that number. 13, Jordan Winnington he can play a little bit. If you get him the ball, he can show you a little something. Zero, yeah, and that JT, that JT part of Sanders, Quinn, same, with, same with him.
0: Yeah, and that part of Quinn Ewer's game will take off this year. You know, he did not see his checkdowns last year. He did not see the field the way that he'll see it this year. And Major Applewhite, I'll never forget these words. Major Applewhite said, once a quarterback learns the power of the check down, they immediately become a better quarterback. He said that's what happened for him. And, of course, he was dumping it to Ricky Williams, which is not bad. Um, But (laughs) – yeah, That might be your first option most of the time. Well, that's the thing. There was B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson over and over again, sitting there in the flats just waiting. And – the ball's going downfield to, to save your worthy. Some, sometimes it was a hit. A lot of times it was a miss. And, and Quinn yours, will see those underneath guys. He should, that's, that's the big step for the second year quarterback is let me do a quick read of my progression. Okay. It's not there. Check down. Don't, don't scale the pocket like Dak and keep, you know, five, six hitch seven hitch. And then, force it in, you know, get it intercepted. I mean, either take off running or hit your check down. And so I do think that Quinn Ewers will improve on that. And that could result in some better uh, receiving numbers for the running backs. Bijan had crazy good receiving numbers last year. He had the best yards per catch average of all the top receivers. He averaged 16.3 yards per catch. I'm throwing it to him. Oh, yeah. Definitely make, make one guy miss, and I'm down yeah. the field. I got I, the sticks are moving. I'm making those chains move. We're the drives continuing, and yeah, and that's that, the,
1: that, that's what yeah, they need. Too man. many they, weapons. They need You're that. right. You're right. And there's just they, too many weapons to, see to focus that. on one guy. There's just too many to focus on one guy. And when you have like JT Sanders, it's crazy that, you know, with this wide receiver room, Chris Jackson coming over from Jacksonville, but you look at, JT Sanders and what he's going to bring to the table again, after Brock Bowers, I expect him to be the next tight end taken in the draft because he's that good. He's that big of a freak. And we all know for a quarterback, your security blanket can be that tied in because they're just such a big target and he's so damn athletic. Like how can you not want to throw his way? But yeah, I'm with you like those running backs from, you know, uh, keelan robinson and all those guys jonathan brooks all those guys once they make their chip on whoever's coming get out there in the flats and catch the ball and make something happen those you know five yard games turn those into 20 30 yard games like you're gonna need those if you want to be successful which we know this team can be with the roster that they have but yeah i you know xavier worthy I I felt for him last year. I really did, especially after you hear about his hand situation. Like, he, it was tough. It was a very tough year for him. And, you know, we talk about, you know, Sark talked about his big three wide receivers that kind of separate themselves from everyone else, which I'm sure he's talking about Xavier Worthy, um, Jordan Winaton, and A.D. Mitchell. But Casey Kane, he had his moments last year. And I don't know where he's going to fit in the rotation, but when you got guys like him and Jonte Cook and Isaiah Nayor, which, you know, hopefully he's 100%. Is that what you've been hearing? Isaiah Nayor, he's been 100% looking yeah. good, taking hits yep. and stuff. So, yep. yeah, Isaiah that's Nayor. huge. That's yep. huge because we, we knew what he was supposed to be coming out of Wyoming last year, and the fact that he got hurt with that ACL injury, that was a huge setback for that 2022 team. A yeah. huge one, and we saw it all year long. So this year, with all that depth that you have on that rod receiver position, even if something happens, you have somebody that Sark and this coaching staff, Chris Jackson, and them are comfortable with bringing in, and that's I think that's very promising.
0: I love it. We got Barry eighty eight is great. Sorel uh, <laughs> listening into the show. And I don't know if Barry is related to, to bear in, but if so, Barry 88 is great. Sorrell's promising double digit sacks. And I know that Baron Sorrell's looking for double digit sacks. Um, no doubt about it. Larry. It could happen. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, Larry Trevino happen. listening or watching on the YouTube channel uh submits uh, jonathan brooks on offense and jere bledsoe are my breakouts on both sides of the ball hook them and jere bledsoe zay is a guy who's who's very interesting he is six 272 pounds and he can do a standing backflip. stop he's, it he's got bend he he's like he's talking about crazy flexible and he, he didn't see a path to playing time last year, and I think he got a little frustrated. Maybe he needed to mature a little bit, but the coaches are seeing that from him. And everybody talks about this kid's crazy bend and athletic ability, and man, he seems like you've got all those defensive linemen who will be draft eligible after this year. Only Tavondre Sweat definitely has to move on. The others, Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins, Vernon Broden could do a COVID year if they want it. But Jere Bledsoe looks like he's going to be part of the the mix. We know Sadir Mitchell, uh, the big, you know, 335-pound uh, uh freshman who is down from 354, by the way. And we know Sadir Mitchell's gonna be part of it. He's he's gonna be the one technique. But Jere Bledsoe, man, if that guy could develop into a a slippery three technique or flash out to a five technique, rush the passer a little bit with that bend, man. Um, I'm, I'm watching for big 94. Jare Bledsoe. He's, he's a, a guy who's, who's starting to put it together for sure. Um, so, oh, okay. So about- Look at this. Look at this. Zay. Barry oh. 88 is great Sorrell Baron is his son. Hey pops. What up we appreci- pops? We appreciate you. Uh, Appreciate you tuning in to Chip and Zay where we're going to be talking uh, a whole heck of a lot of Longhorns football. That's for sure. And G-G. Barry, congrats, man. Congrats on, uh, on, on Baron, because that dude is put together. So I know he got it from, must've gotten it from his pops because
1: <laughs>
0: man, Baron Sorrell one of the most like impressive physical like getting off the bus, you're like, oh my, it's going to be a long night.
1: Yeah, lucky job, bro. I love it. Always talks about that getting off the bus factor during his coaching days and how he used to see guys walking into the stadium, and that would give him a kind of feel on how that day was going to be when Ohio State jumped off the bus back in the Illinois days. He would kind of perk up, like, okay, this is different. They look different than us. So when you got guys like Baron Sorrell, that's big for the intimidation factor. But you know, as far as the whole defensive line goes, You know, when it comes to those interior linemen that are going to make things a lot easier for the edge rushers, which for the edge rushers, that's that's kind of the question mark that you have with this team. We know Baron Sorrell. Good. We we know that he's good. We know that he's going to be in the mix. We know that he's starting for sure. But Sark talked about it yesterday, how Ethan Burke. Blue-collar guy, he's coming along. Justice Finkley, another guy that – talk about looking good coming off the bus. You know, what is he going to be able to bring to the table for this team? Jermon Tapp, you know, all those guys. Will they be ready to bring something different to this squad? Because this was a team last year that was top five in pressures – but they weren't top five in getting that quarterback down, which I know that is a little underachieving for this team. But, hey, going into this year, I think they could get there, especially with how good this interior uh, interior linemen are. And I think that's going to make things a lot easier for those edge rushing guys. So, yeah, I, I'm very excited to see what Sarp throws out there for the edge rushers with Pete Kwiatkowski. And, you know, you could do a lot. There's a lot of guys that are very versatile that can make things happen. And, yeah, shout out to Chris Bennett. He said (laughs) Alfred Collins is in contract year mode because this is it. I don't know if he has a COVID year or not, but it seems like this is it for Alfred Collins and, you know, all the hype that he had coming out of that drop area as a big time fall five star just hasn't been able to put it together. But you're hearing all the right things and he's bought into what Bo Davis has been preaching out there. And I think we're going to see a different Alfred Collins this season in 2023 than we've seen throughout his whole tenure at the University of Texas.
0: Oh yeah. There was that there was that one quarter, the first quarter of the uh Alamo Bowl against Colorado, and AC like made this crazy athletic falling backwards interception. He stuffed a play on third down. I mean, it looked like he was gonna take over the game. And and then Presto Changeo coaching change, new coaching staff. It was his third defensive coordinator in three years. I think a lot of guys – I heard Tavondre Sweat was frustrated, you know, because they'd learn a the defense, they'd learn the way this coach wanted it done, and then, boom, new new defensive coordinator, new style, new technique. You're playing more in the four-eye. No, you're going to be playing the three technique. It, it And they just were like, can we just settle in on something? And now you've got Bo Davis – year three Pete Kwiatkowski everybody's in the system they know it they're comfortable with it they should be and that should result in an added performance and better results and that stuff matters I mean people are like fire him fire that coach we need a new coach we need a new play caller okay do you understand how hard it is for these like to digest an entire new set of terminology and plays okay the tight end in this terminology is not why it's you know cobra or what i mean it's like it it takes a while and then you have to earn the coach's trust and you got to get comfortable with the quarterback the quarterback's got to get comfortable with with the system it's just it can be a never-ending cycle and so when you can bring in a coach and he can maintain his coaching staff like Sarkeesian has that, you know, he's the play caller on offense. Pete Kukowski's the play caller on defense. Same guys, three straight years. Texas hasn't had that in since Mac Brown. I mean, it's It's been been ridiculous. It's been a minute. I mean, Charlie strong changed out offensive coordinators in his three years. Tom Herman changed out, you know, his, um, Herman changed out as defensive coordinator, went from Todd Orlando to Chris Ash, and then, you know, in came Sarkeesian. So uh, that stuff matters. That consistency is a very important part of a player's confidence because by the third year, they can tell the young players, this is exactly how we do it. Then all the players are the coaches and it's not just you're relying on the coaches you really can be a player led team and that's that's the model and the blessing of consistency and we'll see we'll see if it uh takes off in a big way for texas this year um so i i think the uh yeah and there's the Jay ward jumps in says that stuff gets old it's good thing fan bases don't make the hiring and firing decisions we'd have a new coach every game yeah there's no doubt about that Yeah. Got Um, some
1: tough critics here. Yeah. If you're a Texas fan, got some tough critics, but uh, the last person that we mentioned that got nominated for the sporting news, preseason, all American team, Jalen Ford, which well-deserved. He's the heart and soul of this defense, the leader. And I expect him to have another bounce back season. I mean, not bounce back season, but another big time season. And, you know, a lot of that had to do with how good DeMarion Overshone was, his partner in crime. And now, going into this year, with the question marks that you have at that other linebacker position, you know, what's that going to be like? For Jalen Ford? Is he going to be able to still play freely with all the responsibility that he has? Is he going to still be able to do what we saw in 2022 if somebody isn't as experienced or as good as a Damarion Overshone who got selected this year's draft by the Dallas Cowboys? And we heard that Leona LaFoul. Been playing his ass off lately. Sark mentioned him yesterday and his presser. We all know the hype that Anthony Hill gets, but we always hear that Anthony Hill, like his motors right, just he doesn't do everything correct all the time, which that's what you could expect as a blue chip freshman coming in. Like there's gonna be some learning curves for that. But yeah, and
0: they're they- they're they're putting Anthony Hill in a position to just go go get the passer which is what they did with him early in his sophomore year at Denton Ryan he before he learned all the nuances of playing middle linebacker and weak side linebacker and all the responsibilities that that he had to have all the checks and reads they just had him chase the passer and that's i think what Texas is doing too they're they're putting him in a position where it's like you shoot a gap you know we're going to put you on the right side we're going to let you shoot between the tackles or we're going to put you on the left side and you just go, you know, here's your matchup. There's the weak link, go get it. And this kid just has a knack for it. And as far as Jalen Ford, um, you know, say the thing that is crazy, go back and watch his first game against what ULM, Louisiana Monroe. I don't know if he had one tackle. But against Alabama, there's a third and nine in the second quarter, and Jalen Ford blitzes and gets the sack. And from that moment on, his season blew up. It was like he needed that play to just free his mind and to trust his training and his confidence. And the coaches were always telling him, dude, you're a good player. (laughs) Like you need to be more confident. You're, you're ready. You're there. Just turn it loose. And by God, that sack of Bryce young in the second quarter against Alabama, go back and look at his numbers. I mean, go look at every play by play. He was doing nothing. I mean, not nothing, but that third and nine sack in the second quarter, it's about midway through the second quarter that set his season on fire. And then it was, you know, interceptions and recovered fumbles and forced fumbles and, you know, four interceptions led the team, three forced fumbles led the team. And the guy just became this confident playmaking, always in the right place, middle linebacker. And I, he, he studies, you know, that the guys I don't worry about are the guys who study the, they they love to study film. Guys like Jalen Catalan, Jalen Ford, um, you know, Jaron Thompson these guys know what they're looking for. And so they're playing faster because they can, they, they're, they know what keys to read. And that's, that's going to be fun to watch with Jalen Ford. I mean, he's uh he's a guy, he's a humble guy. And it was funny because it, it was an assistant coach at Denton Ryan who helped identify Jalen Ford and recruiting. Um, it was, it, it, it's crazy. In fact, it was a guy, uh uh, Alex Delatory's dad is the defensive coordinator, Den Ryan, and said, Have you all looked at Jalen Ford at Lakeview Centennial? That dude can get it done. And by God, Texas offered him, and he his only offer at that point was, or excuse me, Frisco Lone Star. Uh, Jalen Ford's from Frisco Lone Star. And and the only offer he had was from Utah. And he was committed to Utah. And Texas came really? in and said, Okay. We're ready. We're ready
1: now, Jalen. Yeah. You ready for us?
0: Yeah. And he blew up. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you could just tell his confidence seeing them at Big 12 Media Day in Arlington. Like, you could tell that he really is enthusiastic and prideful of being the leader of this defense, especially with all the guys that were leaders last year that left on both sides of the ball Rojo, Bijan, and definitely DeMarion Overshone, like Jalen Ford, him and Jaron Thompson, and guys like Byron Murphy. And, you know, I expect them to be the leaders of this team. And, those guys i think they could definitely get it done so yeah you're right i'm not worried about jalen ford david benda it seems like he might have the upper hand on the rest of the linebacker roster to be that other guy opposite of jalen ford does that sound about right to you yeah i mean i think david benda
0: fifth year senior who has looked at jalen ford and said man if if that dude can break out in his third year why can't I break out in my fifth year now that DeMarvin Overshown, um, you know, is in the NFL. And so David Benda talking to Steve Sarkeesian the other day, he talked about how intense this guy is, how prepared he is, how hard working he is, how he's become more of a vocal leader. I expect him to be the, the, the guy at weak side linebacker in the opener against Rice. And then, and then they'll see, I mean, I'm hearing that it, it could be a, it could be Benda you know, uh, Mo Blackwell is definitely going to rotate in there, and Anthony Hill is definitely going to rotate in there, and then they'll kind of evaluate from there. But I think Benda's the first guy out there, and if he if he's tearing it up, you don't take him off the field. But um, you know, he's I think all those guys Benda, Mo Blackwell, Anthony Hill, all having um, a good camp. All right, Zay, I'm going to try something today. We do actually have a bit of a show clock. And I know some people are like, "Man, these guys are just just talking," and, and we love to talk. Don't so <laughs> get us wrong. Um, but uh, let's uh, let's take a moment to to thank some of our some of our sponsors. You know what I'm saying? That's right. Absolutely. I mean, whether it's Allstat Beer, my man uh, Tom McKay at Audiovisual Consultations, um, you know, Relax the Back, Seven Eleven,
1: um, Top Gun. Come on. Kidding me? Yeah. Yep. Shout out to Woods AC and Repair Plumbing Services. Shout out to those guys. They do a good job. I know they hook Bucky Gobble up. Now, Chip, you a 7-Eleven guy? Like, I'm, I'm like, when you go to 7-Eleven, you have a go-to? Yeah, it's a always been. A, oh, a man. oh, man. Oh, man. Now, I, mean, I, wish I, one?
0: I wish you I won. I wish I could quit. Yeah, no, I get... <laughs> I get, and I'm trying to get smaller with my Slurpees, because I just see all that frozen goodness, and I'm like, oh, give me that, give me that 32 ounce, you know? Yeah. And then I'm all fired up and hyped up. I'm, I'm, you know, like, chip. I'm gonna come the you like, uh, I'm all hopped up on Mountain Dew. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, I bet but, you the
1: Mountain Dew Slurpee is good as hell.
0: Oh, that's so good. <laughs> that's a, that's a sneaky good Slurpee. What's your favorite Slurpee? <laughs>
1: um i'm pretty og with it give me a good cherry but you know usually i like to mix them all yeah i'm not a coke guy Mm -hmm. but as far as like the fruit ones like the cherries and you know if they just have different flavors i'll mix them all together man and with this heat and triple digits and stuff it's a necessity it's a necessity it's it's a necessity i got to have it yeah man, all that trying to cut back and stuff. Nah, that son, it's too it's too serious. So I have to go all in on my slurpy game, but yeah, man, I, I should well, probably cut back too, but that's probably not gonna happen anytime soon.
0: okay, so for our show clock, typically maybe sort of kind of eventually at one forty five ish, we might do some do you care headlines. So Zay, um, I know you had uh, a couple, but I do want to ask you this. So much has been talked about Dak Prescott this offseason for the Dallas Cowboys, led or tied for the lead in interceptions last year um, with Davis Mills of the Houston Texans with 15 interceptions. Um, are you buying Dak Prescott as a new and improved quarterback? 2023, Um, with Mike McCarthy calling the plays, allegedly.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. Mike McCarthy, we're going to see their chemistry. Dak Prescott and the head coach, who's now calling the shots. We know it went south with... Big Mike and Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers and you know I think Dak Prescott's a little bit more coachable than Aaron Rodgers at that point but if you go w- watch Hard Knocks you might think different but yeah I thought last year Dak Prescott you know I, I thought he definitely forced some things and if you go look at all those interceptions you know, some weren't his fault. You go back to that Jacksonville Jaguars game where it was a pick six towards the end, like that got bobbled. I want to say it was Michael Gallup's hands and ricocheted off those thumbs and somebody else's on the opposing team. And you saw a lot of that with the Dallas Cowboys. So, you know, bringing guys over like Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore on the defensive side, Jerry Jones and Steven Jones, they've done the right things. They've made some very good moves. And I thought Mozzie Smith was a very good pick coming out of Michigan to plug up some holes at that nose tackle position. But, yeah, they they have as much talent as anybody in the league, even somebody like the San Francisco 49ers, which on both sides, Uh, They got all pros and pro bowlers everywhere, but yeah, just thinking about Trayvon Diggs and how much better he is going to get with Stephon Gilmore being on that other side. And then Michael Parsons, arguably the best edge rusher in the league, maybe one of the best, overall football players in the league because that's just not an edge rusher. Like Dan Quinn, he'd be having them around everywhere. We talked about it yesterday. It's positionless football. If you could just exploit your matchup, it doesn't matter where you could be placed on the field. That's what it's all about. So I don't know if the Philadelphia Eagles weren't the Philadelphia Eagles, then I would have more confidence in the Dallas Cowboys. But it's the Eagles' division to lose in that NFC East. And I think they're going to take a step back also because both their offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator are now head coaches in the National Football League. So just organically, you have to assume that Philly is going to take a step back. But, you know, at the end of the day, they still have a lot of their leaders there. They got Kelsey still spiking the ball and they still got Jalen Hurts. All right, well, let me
0: bring you back to Dak Prescott for a second, because I yeah. I got one. And, I, and this, this is going to come into your world because you are the hoops maestro. You are the, uh, what would you tell me? You're the 10 and 5 guy from, uh, from Bowie High School back in the day. I was like, could yeah, I it'll... count on you for 20 and 10? You said, how about
1: 10 and 5? It was a loud ten and five though, Chip. It was yeah, loud, baby. Like you, you, you're gonna hear it. Like every Thunder. time re- every time I get a rebound, I, I scream ah you know, every time I hit a shot, I gotta do something, like a mellow three to the head or something like that. It's a very loud ten and five. Loud.
0: <laughs> I like that. I like that. Kind of a uh Daryl Dawkins you know, oh yeah back, backboard breaking presence.
1: I wish right, right, so i had that my
0: athleticism. Thing. I want Dak. <laughs> to have his Dirk season. So I think Dirk was 13 years in the league, 32 years old when he beat LeBron and the Mavs won it all. And Dirk went from regular season Dirk and Irk Nowitzki to world champion. And Dirk did it in that NBA finals against LeBron. I mean, he brought it. He wasn't a co-passenger. He was a pilot in getting that thing done, and no one thought Dirk could do it. No one thinks Dak can do it. Everyone thinks, oh, Dak, he's put up good regular season numbers, but, man, in the playoffs, he's terrible. And remember that that scene in Airplane where the little kid's talking to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? He's like, my dad says that you're – you know, you're 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 okay, but in the playoffs, you're ter- look kid, you try and drag Lanier up and down the floor for 48 minutes. And anyway, Dirk finally did it. He he punched it through, raised the trophy, had the parade. I want Dak to have his Dirk season, Zay. Am I crazy?
1: No, no, you're not crazy. I mean, you know, Dirk. That year, that was one of the greatest runs in NBA history. They went past the Blazers. They went past Kobe Bryant, who they were the defending champs last year. They went past Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook. And then, like you said, beating LeBron and Dwayne Wade in the finals. Now, maybe Dak needs a little bit more motivation, like how D-Wade and LeBron kind of mucked up by making fun of Dirk being sick and stuff, which gave Dirk extra motivation to stick it to him. I don't know if anybody in the NFL would do that, but he already has enough bulletin board material with all the, you know, hate that he gets from all the interceptions. Like you said, people not thinking that he could get it done. And yeah, I, I, with what Dak has around him again, Brandon cooks, that's a big time pickup, you know, Michael Gallup being your number two receiver. I don't know about that. I, I don't know about that. And I think Jake Ferguson at tight end, I think he's very underrated and they're very high on him down there in Dallas. So, yeah, bringing back Zach Martin, that was huge. Dak needs those protectors. And Mike McCarthy, even though I say in air quotes, he says that he is going to be, you know, he wants to run the football they're going to get back to throwing the football no matter what, because they don't got enough good running backs there. I like Tony Pollard and all, but he's going to have to prove to me that he's a bell cow running back in this age of the NFL. Those are basically extinct. There's no more Emmitt Smith, Barry Sanders type guys like those guys are gone. It's more by committee. So that whoever that number two running back, it might be Austin's very own Deuce Vaughn. You know, it might be him because he's Ronald Jones or Deuce Vaughn. See, Ronald Jones, he's suspended for two games and stuff. I don't know if he has any more left, but I we will see. And at the end of the day, it does ride on Dak Prescott's shoulders. I I do think he could get it done. Do I think that he could get it done over the likes of uh, San Francisco over a Philly? I don't know about that. And those are the teams that are in the Cowboys way. You know, we saw last year in the playoffs, that 49ers team, even with Brock Purdy struggling the way he did, they were still able to get the dub and have the upper hand on the boys. So, you know, the Cowboys, they're locked in. I think they understand that they don't have many, you know, opportunities to slip up they know that this team is very deep they know that michael parsons he hasn't been paid yet so you got to take advantage of that and that he's still playing on his rookie contract so i i think the, the pickups that they have offensively and defensively if Dak prescott could just take care of the football then the cowboys they should be right there with philly on trying to win in division
0: well, oh, now they got these pesky commanders who just took down the uh, Ravens in preseason oh, football. Oh,
1: stop. That's Sam so Sam Howell and
0: Sam Cosme.
1: Oh, Yo, my. Sam Sam Cosme is great. I saw him doing the gritty. They got into a little brawlish situation yesterday at the end zone. And you got Sam Cosme over there doing the gritty and dancing while guys are pushing each other in the helmet and stuff like that. He's definitely a character but yeah I don't, they don't gotta worry about you know the commanders i don't think they have to worry about the giants even though brian dayball he did a terrific job last season on getting you know those giants playing very well they go up to minnesota and beat them in the playoffs that was a big time win daniel jones he finally looked like that quarterback that got selected six in the draft the uh, few years ago and they got saquon barkley back for 11 million so that they're always going to play the cowboys tough but again kind of like the texas longhorns dallas has a roster and a lot of debt that you feel confident even if they don't win the division them being right there and making some noise once the playoffs come around
0: yeah speaking of uh offensive linemen getting into it chris bennett reminding all of us that uh Kelvin Banks wasn't afraid to get into it with an OU player early in that Red River shootout last year, and it set a tone. It did. I I know the Longhorns talked about it after the game, seeing Big 78, a freshman, pushing and shoving some of those Sooners. They were like, all right, let's go. So, yeah, you got to have that. You got to have that dog, and and Kelvin Banks has got it. And –
1: let me ask you this, Chip. How do you feel about like in-practice fights and those, you know, because you see them a lot in the NFL, not as much in college, but you see them in the NFL a ton. There's a yeah, because they get
0: sick of each other. They get sick yeah. of going up against each other.
1: But even when they, you know, practice with other teams, Like we saw in Hard Knocks, how, you know, Carolina and the Jets practice together. All teams do that. And recently, the Colts, they got into a fight with the Eagles. And I heard quarterback Anthony Richardson got a shot to the dome. Like, that's your quarterback. That's the guy wearing the red jersey. That's the person who's supposed to be away from all that. So I'm kind of on both sides when it comes to the fight because, like you said, you do need some of that. You do need some of that toughness, some of that, yo, I'm not going to back down from nobody. I don't care if this is practice. I don't care if you're my teammate or not. Football is a physical game. All these guys are alpha males. Like, you got to show that you don't take none from nobody. But also, you got to understand that this is practice. These guys, sometimes they'll be punching each other with bare fist and the helmet and stuff that's all like, oh, that's so stupid that's, that's, so, dumb. I, that's so stupid but then just their psyche you got to be in a different level to be any type of professional athlete especially an NFL player with your psyche those guys they don't care they don't give a damn about oh I, I'm gonna get my shot in so I, I feel both ways about it I think sometimes it's good depending on the player the team the franchise and sometimes it can be a little toxic
0: Hey, all I know is this, if I'm getting in a football fight, I need my, I need to do my Apollo Creed, uh, attack of the ribs. I need to punch the body. I need to hit the body. I'm going to do some damage on the body. If I swing at the helmet, I'm breaking my hand and nothing else. (laughs) So go to the body, work the body rock, work the body.
1: (laughs) You got to be careful with that now, too, because now that equipment has just, you know, gotten better. These guys protected everywhere, everywhere, you know, everywhere. everywhere. So, yeah, you got to be careful with that, too. Absolutely. Hey, we're talking about the Cowboys chip. Did you see Brandon Cooks, the video of him? Like he is a certified pilot. And when those guys were in Seattle, he took Michael Parsons and Stefan Gilmore. On the ride through the air, they were just flying around the Pacific Northwest. And like, that was crazy. That was nuts, man.
0: I mean, that was n- like—is that his own plane, or does he does he go to the airport and and like Good rent question. a plane?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'll you know I don't know if that's his own plane. Now that's that because that look like a single coin. engine
0: plane to me, Zay.
1: Yeah, and I don't mess I with single so. engines. No, uh, <laughs> I need two engines, man. What if one of yeah. those engines goes? Yeah, I know Stephen Jones, Jerry Jones. They were probably a little nervous <laughs> watching that with all three of those high profile guys on that plane. And yeah, obviously they had a safe landing and they're good now. But yes, yeah, that. Talking about building chemistry and camaraderie, I think that's a very big deal. And Brandon Cooks and Stephon Gilmore, you could already tell that they're making themselves known on this roster. Well, and, and Brandon Cooks was table. flying
0: them like right over the the Seahawks stadium. Yeah, like he's he's not out flying around in the country. He's like flying right over the city.
1: Yeah, talented man. That talented. Dude, that's some serious talent. He's right got his there. hours.
0: Let's Absolutely. hope he can help
1: elevate that offense. I think he can. Uh, I think he can. He's played with some very good quarterbacks. I know he praises Dak. I don't think, you know, you got to say that if you're a teammate, you got to praise your quarterback, even though it might be a little fictional. You know, he talked about how. When he watches Dak and all the players that he play with, which Brandon Cooks, he's played with Drew Brees and Tom Brady during the Saints in New England days. But he said Dak Prescott has that same type of mentality. He has that same type of, you know, giddy up and same type of arm. And, you know, we'll see. Well, we'll see we got to see it on the field. And, again, Dallas, they have everything they need to be successful, but can Dak Prescott limit the turnovers and get this team to the promised land? You know what he's got to do? And this
0: is – I've looked at it. He doesn't run anymore. When things break down, he doesn't run anymore, and that's thats hurting this team. Dak Prescott has got to use his legs. If you go back and look, his uh, his first three years – first four years, really – He averaged, um, well, he averaged about 300 yards rushing. Uh, 282 as a rookie, 357 in 2017, 305. He was making plays with his legs. and each of those years, he had six rushing touchdowns. The last two years, he's had two. And he's only rushed for 146 yards and 182 yards. He's not extending drives. By escaping and scrambling and picking up that first down, you know, think of Sam Ellinger back at Texas health. Think of watch Sam Ellinger in his preseason game the other night for the Colts. He was running for first downs left and right. And I'm not saying that, you know, Dak's some dual threat guy, but he's talented enough to go get you six, seven yards, go pick up, you know, move the chains, keep them moving. Instead, the last couple of years he's been locked in the pocket hitching for the fifth sixth and then throwing it into traffic instead of you know running and going and getting five six seven yards he's got to get back to that i know he had his leg snapped in half a couple years ago but man he was an effective uh quarterback more effective quarterback when he was just when things broke down in the pocket go get that you know five six seven yards
1: Yeah, and I think that has a lot to do with why he doesn't run as much anymore. I mean, for your psyche, it has to be tough knowing that, hey, when I ran that one time, I had my foot completely turned around. And thats I've never had that happen, but I can only assume that your thought process changes a little bit and the way you go about things changes a little bit. And I, you're absolutely right. I think that if he – started to run more if he understood that hey all my options aren't available i need to just get five six ten yards maybe and slide then the cowboys will be in a better situation but yeah man after that injury he just got that same quarterback and he's relied on his arm a little bit too much and that's obviously got him in trouble
0: well i i think we'll see uh you know they're calling it the the Texas Coast offense with Mike McCarthy. We'll see. I mean, it's it's a simple passing game. Looks like they're gonna run or throw to set up the run. Um, I I'm just I'm reaching for the tums. I'm not gonna lie. I'm reaching for the tums with this whole Mike McCarthy Brian Schottenheimer. Uh, those are not guys. You know, everyone's studying Lincoln Riley's offense. Guys are studying Steve Sarkeesian's offense. They are not studying Mike McCarthy's offense. But the good news is Zach Martin is back. Jerry threw him a few more bones. And so Zach Martin's going to be up there helping to clear paths for whoever it is, whether it's Tony Pollard or Ronald Jones or Deuce Vaughn, baby. five-five shortest. He's the Muggsy Bogues.
1: Of the NFL.
0: say remember <laughs> Muggsy. Muggsy, folks.
1: Oh, yeah, I remember Muggsy. Muggsy was one of the best defenders ever. Yeah, man. At that 5'3 size. He would get up under you. It would be very hard to get the ball up the court. And coming from Wake Forest, like, he made himself a name in the NBA, played over a decade. Yeah, yeah, those small okay, guys. Okay, this is, this is
0: how old I am, Zay. I was at the NBA All-Star Game when Spud Webb won the dunk contest. Over Dominique Wilkins in Dallas Damn. At, at Reunion Arena. Five foot seven, Spud Webb. And he did it. He deserved it. Like Dominique kept going with these power dunks, and Spud was like bouncing the ball, having it bounce off the glass, and then timing it perfectly at five seven. I mean, Spud must have been working day and night to get all of his, all of his caroms right because he nailed it. And we were all yeah. sitting there going, what? and then larry bird walks up and down the bench we're watching him go up and down the bench and we're like what is he doing and it turns out he was telling everybody you you coming in second you coming in second who's coming in second <laughs> and then larry walked out there won the three point contest it was it was insane it was one of the best like i think in the history of the dunk contest in the history of the three point contest that all star in 85 was, or 86 was like one of the best. Cause Spud yeah. winning the dunk contest was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's how old I am. Crazy. <laughs> that's how old I am. Yeah. I was, a, I was You're a wise. at SMU and uh my, one of my buddies was like, Hey man, my dad's got tickets, to the NBA all-star game. You want to go? We actually went to a party. We actually went to an NBA All-Star Weekend party where Kevin McHale was. My buddy's an idiot. He'll go up and talk to anybody. Kevin McHale's wearing a, a cowboy hat and he's from Minnesota and talks like Boston. You know, I was the guy was hilarious. He McHale was like punking on my friend, going, Like, what are you doing here? Like, did you sneak in here? <laughs> and we were like, pretty much, yeah. But uh, I love Kevin McHale. I mean, that dude was hilarious.
1: Yeah. So that was
0: back in the day. I love Kevin
1: McHale's game, man. Like when you talk about footwork and you talk about being a post player, which that's basically becoming extinct now in the modern game, especially in the NBA. But that's who you go watch. You go watch Hakeem Olajuwon. You go watch Kevin McHale because their footwork, immaculate. And those shoulders. It's like you could build a house on those shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin McKell was so interesting because he'd look sickly. Like in the 80s, like he had this sickly look like, is this guy okay? And then he'd give you 30. And you're so busy worried about Larry Bird and what Bird could do then they got and the chief, chief robert parrish yeah man just causing havoc those celtics teams man i know i wasn't around but i've done my research and i'm a huge nba basketball historian not too many teams are better than that 86 celtics team you got a little jerry she
0: sting kind of digging around in your <laughs> he's just getting dirty and grimy well, wasn't like he the one been, that got into a like fight with, uh, the Ralph. Face
1: 10 times <laughs> didn't he get into the fight with ralph Sampson in that 86 finals yeah
0: oh yeah (laughs) you had uh dennis johnson dj who used to be the head coach of the the austin Austin spurs
1: toros man man, toros Toros, back in the day yeah yeah Yeah, man danny ainge was dirty as hell too oh yeah Bill, bill walton call of famer coming off the bench and yeah, that 86 team was definitely for did real. Did you watch
0: the Bill Walton 30 for 30? I
1: did. I did. Very That was
0: crazy, man. All the, all the ways that he would tear it up and then get injured. Tear it up, then get injured. And, like, he'd bring you elation and joy, like, out in Portland. He wins it, wins the World Championship with uh, Ramsey as the coach. And – And then that damn foot fell apart again. Yeah. And and then he had to move on. Then he'd go to the Clippers. He'd tear it up for a season or a half, and then, oh, damn, the foot again. And then somehow he made it back to that Celtics team. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, you watch Nikola Jokic for the Denver Nuggets right now. Bill Walton was that. (laughs) Like, he was that guy that was – maybe the best passer in the league that you could run your offense through him, but it was so unorthodox because he was a center. And I think if he wouldn't have had all those injuries, we'd be talking about Bill Walton with Shaq and Kareem and Hakeem and all of the greats, but, and he's still a hall of famer, but yeah, I, Bill Walton that 30 for 30 was absolutely amazing and it's very interesting because you see how marijuana and different things have helped athletes today and we all know the stigma that marijuana's had years and years and years but back then he was trying to (laughs) ask John Wooden which think about John Wooden and the pyramid and all that stuff and how old school he was like hey man this could help me. You know, this, every time I do this, it could, it's, I feel better. I feel a little bit more loose. I'm not in as much pain as I was. And. John Wooden was like, are you even kidding me, buddy? Like, yeah. ain't no way I'm going to have any of my players, especially you, the face of the university when it comes to basketball, doing anything like that. And it's just Bill, crazy. Bill, that is not later. in my
0: pyramid of success, Bill. <laughs> Do you not understand? It's not in my pyramid of success. Don't get so, me
1: started with John Wooden, Chip. I so Chris, he is Chris the biggest Mim. Cheater. Yeah. Well, Chris
0: Mim used to play at Texas. He played for the Lakers. And Luke Walton says, hey, come on, come to my house, meet my dad. So Chris Mim, they do a weekend trip to the Waltons. And Chris said, you know, he woke up in the morning. He was like, all right, let's go see what we're going to have for breakfast here at the Walton house. He walks into the kitchen and there's Bill Walton stark naked.
1: just like
0: cooking up some eggs and Chris Mim turned around and said, Oh boy, Uh, Luke, where are you, Luke? Um, (laughs) Yeah. And what is, what is Bill Walton going to do? He's not going to have PAC 12 basketball games to do anymore, where he's always talking about the conference of champions. Um, (laughs) Listen, PAC 12 is the conference of champions. It's the best. It doesn't exist anymore. What am I gonna do?
1: That's not too shabby. That's that's not too shabby of a Bill Walton. That's not too shabby at all. I oh don't know. God. Is he gonna go to the Big Ten with UCLA? He should you know, like yeah, he definitely should. I don't know if he can but... handle it
0: though, because he's he's in he lives in California. He could always, you know, quick little flights or whatever. Now he's gonna have to go. He's gonna have to get out of his comfort zone.
1: Yeah, go over there to. Yeah.
0: Evanston, Illinois, and Champaign, Illinois, and West Lafayette, Indiana, which is the middle of nowhere. Have you ever been to South Bend, Indiana? I have not. I heard there's nothing there besides Notre Dame. You get on the lush green grass of that campus with that Golden Dome. You feel like you're in, you know, some like adjunct part of the Vatican. It's all beautiful and pristine. You got the little Rosemary fountain where everybody makes their prayers and everything. The minute you step foot off that campus, you are in a white trash capital of the Midwest. (laughs) My dad owned a fast food restaurant in, um, in Niles, Michigan, which is right across the border from, from South Bend, Indiana. And we would go to South Bend to get restaurant, uh, you know, parts and, stuff, equipment. And so i go up there to South Bend and it's just awful. Like, I mean, you know, you go to school at the university of Texas, you're in Austin. The campus is nice, but it's everything around the campus. That's fantastic. It's Lake Austin. It's this, it's that it's beautiful. It's the Hills. You get off the campus at Notre Dame, you you're crying, trying to get home. You like call mom and dad and say, Can I get me out of here? I'm just saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, a dump. That's very interesting. I never knew that.
0: Go to Touchdown Jesus. Go to the Newt Rockney statue. Do all the Notre Dame stuff. I'm not saying that. Go to Notre Dame. Go to a football game at Notre Dame, Notre Dame Stadium. Newt Rockney's right there, staring at touchdown Jesus. It's beautiful. It's great. You're going to get a little leprechaun will run by you try and rub his head for good luck. And, and then get on your, you know, head back to the airport or go to Chicago. Don't do not stay in South Bend. Don't do that.
1: They will show you that in Rudy.
0: No, they don't. They don't show you that. (laughs) They don't don't show show you you that that restaurant equipment store just down the road. When you feel like you're like going to get carjacked at any moment, but, uh, all right, there's my Notre Dame rant for today. <laughs> the, uh... Oh,
1: man, that is terrific. So, Chip, let's get into a little Texas basketball talk because they have a five-star recruit that will be on campus this Sunday coming up. Trey Johnson out of the Dallas area will probably be Mr. Basketball in the state of Texas because he is the best basketball player coming out of the state of Texas. And he will be He was here at Lake Highlands, right? Yes. Yeah. He was helped them Conlins. win the state championship. Oh man, I watched that game too, Chip. He does everything. Well beyond his years. His pull-up jumper is on point. He gets to his spots. It doesn't matter if the hand's in his face. It doesn't matter who's under him trying to rip the ball. He will elevate right over the top, and he has a very smooth, just elegant jumper. And I know what everybody's probably thinking when they hear about a five-star recruit maybe coming to Texas from Texas. You're thinking A.J. Johnson. You're thinking Ron Holland. And both of those guys playing professional basketball this year, Ron Holland playing in the G League and A.J. Johnson playing in uh, Australia. But you still got to recruit these guys. You know, if you're Roddy Terry, I know he's done a lot of his work in the transfer portal. But at the end of the day, you got to try to get these guys that are basically in your backyard. You can't really, you know, nobody knew Ron Holland was going to be a mock draft number one pick for 2024 when he committed to Texas like guys get better (laughs) you know when he compared to texas he wasn't there yet and then he started going to mcdonald's all-american game going to the under armor all-american jordan all-american all these different camps and different tournaments where all these scouts are and he realized plus this camp probably said wait you're better than what you thought you were being at six nine being a solid ball handler being able to jump out the gym like and, and again, with the money that's getting thrown around, like Ron Holland's supposed to make 500000 this year. 500000 And I get NIL is very good for some guys, but I don't think anybody at the 40 acres is throwing around that money for basketball. So I can't knock somebody like Ron Holland choosing a different route. So this whole Trey Johnson thing, yeah, it's cool, but I'm not going to get too excited because you can't nowadays with college sports.
0: Yeah, and here's here's the crazy thing, right? My college roommate, his son, Warren Hamilton, was on that Lake Highlands team with Trey Johnson. And so I've been trying to pump my – College roommate to find out, okay, have Warren ask Trey, where's he going to school? (laughs) So I'm working on that, Zay. I'm working on it. There we go. That's what you do, uh, baby. Warren Hamilton, scrappy little white guy, (laughs) you know, feeding feeding Trey Johnson all the way to the 6A state championship. So, oh my college roommate just texted me back, Link Academy, which is the school that he transferred to from Lake Highlands. Yeah. I'm like, come on, man.
1: Yeah. And, you know, after you win state, I get it like in a way because that's all these guys. They end up going to these prep schools, the Oak Hills, the IMGs and whatnot and Mount Vernon and stuff like that. And it's, it's a different opportunity to play better competition. And we know UIL here in Texas, it could be a little weird. And if you're Trey Johnson, again, we saw what Quinn Ewers did. We know UIL, they forbidden him to get, take advantage of his name, image and likeness. Which is very unfortunate. So Quinn Yore said, "All right, I'm going to go into another state. I'm not going to play my senior year, and I'm going to capitalize on something." And he's two million dollars richer after that little stint that he had at Ohio State. So you see allegedly. somebody like
0: allegedly,
1: yeah, allegedly. I mean, a
0: state million. a state senator told me in his bill that he wrote to try to get NIL for high school kids in state of Texas that got defeated this past legislative session that Quinn Ewers got 1.4 million. Now, okay. I don't know. That was a state lawmaker putting that into a bill. And I heard it was less than that, but, um, you know, some of this, some of this NIL money that gets tossed around, it's, it's hearsay. Um, look, you've got some big money guys. I hear that, uh, Oh, God, the owner of the uh, the Browns who went to Tennessee. Um, well, I need to look it up. But uh, I mean, I heard that guy dumped a pile of money into uh, Tennessee, like crazy money that other. Haslam As- Haslam. As- me. Haslam. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and you just don't know because they don't have to disclose. And that's, that's the hard part about all this, you know, Jim Laranaga, the head basketball coach at Miami is the one who said we should all be open and out out front. Yeah. We paid. um, The uh, Nigel pack, the guard from Kansas state, we paid him 400,000 a year (sighs) to come to Miami. And it was money. Well spent Miami made it to the final four. Um, And I don't know. Sometimes yeah. we know, sometimes we don't. Yeah. But that's right. State lawmaker said Quinn got 1.4 million.
1: Mm, that's still some good bread right Yeah, there. Man.
0: And, and more power to them. And I say, you know, this NIL thing, it is not sustainable. It's not sustainable. Unless you have like 38 million endowed to be able to peel some money off each year to pay kids, to, to pay the big ones. Whatever, 400,000. You know, you hear that maybe Worthy got 400,000 to stick around. Um, And okay, so you got boosters paying that. If he has a great season, everybody's happy. If you pay 1.4 million uh, to get Quinn Ewers to Ohio State and he turns around and transfers, you're like, okay. I just burned through 1.4 million. It's hit and miss, man. And it is, it's not sustainable. So, you know, Texas has been fortunate. They got some big money guys that that they've been hitting to try to write some big checks to to keep kids, you know, right where they are. But, you know, all of that Texas One Fund is trying to get Texas fans to sign up to, to give 20 bucks a month, 40 bucks a month, 50 bucks a month, and then tell what sport you want it designated for. That's what they really want. They want all the, you know, crowdsourcing money so they don't have to keep going back to, you know, the guys with names on their buildings on campus for another, Hey man, can you hit us for another million? We got to, We got to try to notch
1: a lot like that. Just hit us another million. Yeah.
0: Can you get us another million? We got five guys we got to hang on to. Yeah. You know,
1: you're going to see some of these athletes acting like James Harden with Daryl Morey and just call them a liar. This guy, this booster lied. This is why I decommitted. This is why I transferred because I was told I was going to be making all of these zeros and I got rump roast. And it, did, it didn't work out. And you can't, I can't blame those guys. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just it's not what it used to be. You're not just coming for school. You're not coming for the university. You're not just coming for the coach. All those things do matter. But a lot of these parents, once that coach walks in and that coach gives his pitch on why your son or daughter should come to our university, those parents have every opportunity and every right to say, okay, what's the money looking like? Because if my kid becomes one of your better players and I see his jersey at places like the UT Co-op and different places where you could get all this merch and stuff and he ain't getting nothing back for that, then I'm going to go to a place where I can get something back for it.
0: Well, now kids can create their own T-shirts, their own identity, their own logo, everything. You know, what's interesting is – and this this comes in from uh, JSDTX, who's who's watching on the YouTube uh, channel, uh, the, the Texas Sports Unfiltered YouTube channel. Uh, I wonder if NIL will reduce the money that goes to the Longhorn Foundation. And uh, he says, I bet it will and put pressure on the infrastructure of the programs. It absolutely will. And here's why. If you're Chris Del Conte, who just got the nice raise. Because whenever USC is looking for an athletic director, Chris Del Conte is going to get a raise. Okay, Just put two and two together there. They've come after him three times. Damn. And Del Conte has gotten three raises at Texas. And thank
1: <laughs> God,
0: if you're a Longhorn fan, that he's still at Texas. But th- thank God, Chris Del Conte spent $731 million over a five-year span to improve football, the, the new basketball arena was not Texas money, but it was a $388 million project that he had to oversee the past basketball practice facility, the Tito's, you know, practice facility and rowing center. Um, Eddie Reese got a new outdoor pool, baseball and softball got, you know, indoor hitting uh, situations, uh, tennis, you know, got a new weight room, locker room, soccer track, got a new weight room, locker room, Every single sport got some of that 731 million and Texas, which was three decades behind in facilities is now at least even, you know? Um, And, you know, outside of that, that decision to have the team have that bar lounge where the team can run out. So no one's in their seats over that longhorn when games start on TV The team comes out of the tunnel to nothing but empty seats above them when the stadium is packed and it looks terrible. Other than that, Zay, (laughs) uh, that remodel is awesome. And they're just now completing the recruiting welcome center that is where the old academic center used to be in Moncrief, just in the southeast corner of DKR. They tore out all that academic stuff that's all in the north end zone now and now it's this like all glassed up you know big entertainment room where you have a view of the Capitol. it's where all the you know official visitors are going to have dinner with their parents and you know get to see the football facility and and other events are going to use that area too but um i mean thank god all that facility upgrade renovation happened in that five year span because then boom, here comes NIL and suddenly fans, donors, boosters are trying to decide, okay, am I given X amount for the new facility upgrade fund? Or am I given X amount to try and keep our quarterback room together? You know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's real.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now, as far as the new football practice facilities and all that, When does that start? So that that is, they're not going
0: to break ground on that until a year from now. And it won't be completed until 26, but it's pretty cool what they're doing. So they're going to tear down the school of social work. That's going to get a better new home on campus. And from what I hear, there might be some asbestos stuff. They got to clean up. It's going to take a little longer. Uh, but then they're going to, they're going to tear that out. They're going to put a parking garage for all the student athletes at Texas underneath the football practice facility. So 500 spaces just for student athletes, boom, Xavier worthy, no more boots on your car. (laughs) And all those parking tickets, as long as you've got your garage pass, You can go park your car right there and walk to Jester.
1: Yeah, we all know living in this city, parking could be hell, especially – when you go downtown and yeah, I see those rent a cops out there, man, they act like their life dependent on like they got to meet a quota or something the way that they be writing tickets for people. But yeah, that sounds cool. That sounds, that sounds perfect because that's what you need going to the SEC. Cause I know the University of Florida, they got brand new facilities there and they spent some serious paper to get those brand new facilities. Speaking of Florida though, Chip. Maybe oh, yeah. after this, might have to watch the new Netflix four-part documentary about the '07 or around that Urban Meyer era.
0: Liar Boy Meyer, the Gators team.
1: Liar <laughs> Meyer, yeah, man. Hey, let me tell you team, something, Zay. Texas,
0: Texas was trying to trying to coax Liar Meyer back into the game. And Liar meyer was like, you know what? I don't even know if my my stuff will work in this day and age of the transfer portal and NIL because that tough love, fear-based coaching, like pick it up or you can find somewhere else to play. That kind of coaching style that Tom Herman brought to Texas and went so well. Liar <laughs> um, meyer he said, I'm going to go to the NFL, and, and that opened the door for Steve Sarkeesian.
1: Yeah, I mean, that, that dude, I get it. He knows football, absolutely. But as far as a people person and relationships, like, listen to this quote that was taken from Brandon Slider, a former player that played for Urban Meyer. He said this on the four-part documentary. Urban said, I'm going to treat my superstars like superstars. And my ish, like ish, if I treat you like ish, and you want me to change, then you find a way to make yourself a superstar. What? Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like, this is the head coach. I get it. I get all these coaches have their own philosophies and the way they go about things. I understand that. But... Man, like that dude, your roster is full. Like I get sometimes certain guys are going to get special treatment in the way, but you got to treat guys with respect. And this goes back to when he was kicking the kicker and Jacksonville and all that crap that he went through. And like you said, Tom Herman just took everything from Urban Meyer and tried to apply it to what he did down here. But for all that knowledge and all those good teams that Urban Meyer had, which he's in this documentary, by the way, I'm very intrigued to see what he says himself, especially at this point of his life and his career. I know he's still doing stuff with Fox, but I don't know if he'll ever – want or get a chance to coach again just because it was so toxic at Jacksonville and given it's it's a change when you go from coaching in college to the NFL you better change Because that same old mentality that you had in college and stuff like that, no, you're talking to grown-ass men now once you get to the National Football League. And they got families and they got responsibilities that are just like you. This ain't that teaching, you're a father figure. Like No, they're fathers themselves. So yeah. it's it's a different way that you have to apply what you want to get done to for the greater good of your organization slash franchise. And he probably did it as worse as anybody.
0: I'll tell you what, Zay, I covered the NFL for three years. I covered the Cowboys. And when you have the disparity of income. Between superstar players, because I, I was there when Emmett was there and Jerry was paying him 10 million at the age of 34 to break the NFL all-time rushing record when Emmett wasn't putting $10 million worth of production on the field. And then you get, you know, on that offensive line, you got guys making the rookie minimum and praying they're not getting cut. You got veterans making a good living and have no patience for the young guys. And it's hard to get millionaires motivated and moving in the same direction. And that's why a guy like John Harbaugh who's been with the Ravens and somehow keeps it fresh. Mike Tomlin in Pittsburgh never had a losing season and knows how to connect with his players in a way that it it's like, I respect you, but you're not, you're not, you know, trying to cut into me as a man. You're trying to get the best out of me and I respect that. And there are there are a handful of guys, you know maybe maybe Dan Campbell in Detroit for my bedraggled Lions who had Bobby Lane put a curse on him 50 years ago and now we're in year 64 of that curse and the Lions still haven't sniffed <laughs> a Super Bowl. Bobby Lane won him a world championship and they traded him to Pittsburgh and he said this this franchise is cursed. I'm putting a 50-year curse on him, and we're in year 64. We got to break the Bobby Lane curse. I'm fascinated by Bobby Lane, by the way. If I haven't told you that, I've like, I'm fascinated. Every story I can get my hands on, I want it because he yeah. was Johnny Manziel was the modern day Bobby Lane. Did I tell you my Bobby Lane story about him Uh-oh. pitching for the? Oh my God! Okay, so Bill Little, who just passed away, R.I.P. Bill Little. Uh, put me in touch with rooster andrews if people remember rooster andrews you know kicker at texas at shoe store in austin but he was a contemporary of bobby lane and like rooster was the the manager student manager on the texas baseball team so bobby lane of course legendary quarterback but also a pitcher and he gets into a car accident and he's hurt like but he doesn't want Bib Falk, the coach of Texas baseball, to know that he's been in this car accident and that he's hurt. So he told Rooster Andrews, go get me a 12 pack of beer and put it at the end of the bench where I sit in between innings. And so Bobby Lane would sit by himself down there and he was just sucking down beers to try to numb the pain from this car wreck he was in. He goes out and throws a no hitter. Against Stop. Texas A&M in College Station to win the Southwest Conference Championship. Drunk? Drunk. Drunk <laughs> as a skunk. Drunk as a skunk. And, I mean, I'm like, give me more of this Bobby Lane character because every his teammates were all like, we didn't know what shape Bobby would come in on Saturdays. But by God, when the lights went on, that dude delivered. Yeah, and man. No hitter, drunk, off his ass, in Kyle station, and then flipped off the AM fans in Kyle Field what, or whatever. That's whatever what it, I'm
1: talking about. And walked off. It's like, yeah. how's that? Yeah, man. I did that. Yeah. Wow. Bobby Lane in the same category as a Doc Ellis. Yeah, I like it. Oh yeah, <laughs> hey man, Doc, Doc Ellis popping acid, going out there throwing no hitters and stuff. Still Doc one of my favorite sports stories. Oh yeah, yeah, Dwight Gooden. Yeah, he was on Daryl Strawberry Cocaina. Yeah, man, those baseball players—they're a different breed. They're a different breed. Speaking of you, when you mentioned Bobby Lane flicking off the A. M. crowd, did you see the dummy? the Texas tech fan that got the horns down logo on his thigh.
0: That's terrible. Here's my problem with Texas tech. Here's my problem with Texas tech, Zay Texas tech. I was out there. I, I lived in Lubbock for two and a half years for the associated press. I was the West Texas correspondent. I covered the red Raiders when spike Dykes was the football coach and bam Morris was getting it done at running back. And you know Zach Thomas, best, most instinctive linebacker. uh, He and Derek Johnson that I've ever covered, and and kudos to Zach Thomas going in the Pro Football Hall of Fame.
1: Absolutely, but
0: it's uh, you know Texas Tech. They have great fans, great people, but there is this there's this little brother complex that is just annoying. So, I mean, it's a tough place to play. You go out there and say you're a Texas fan, you're wearing your burnt orange gear and you're sitting next to a tech fan there. If some good play happens for Texas tech, you know, Pat Mahomes throws it to Michael Crabtree or insert Raiders here. That tech fan's going to get in the face of the Texas fan more than they're just going to cheer with each other. And that's, that's annoying. It's like, why are you looking at me? Like cheer your team on, you know what I mean? (laughs) Right, right. They 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 are in your face, man. And and so it's it's weird cuz you go out to Lubbock, it's fine, it's fun, it's friendly. The people are great. Everyone says, "Oh, the best resources in West Texas are the people." And it is cuz they get whipped with dust storms that look like Hershey's chocolate is taking over the sky and raining mud on you and you you open your door and there's mud, sand, like coming through oh, your door. I mean, it's the weather's awful. You get the feed yards, the smell of the feed yards. If, if the wind blows in from the, from the East, all of Lubbock smells like a cow, you know, pasture. So, you know, the people are great. They're humble, hardworking, but man, when another team comes into their stadium, it's like they need to take out every bit of pain and frustration on the Joker sitting next to him, wearing different colors and cheering for another school. It's it's an intense it's an intense atmosphere.
1: Yeah, they're a salty fan base, but they're a loyal fan base. I definitely give them that. Hey,
0: how about that game, the basketball game where they they hacked into the student tickets for Texas (laughs) when Chris Beard was here, and the Tech fans outnumbered the Texas fans in the Irwin Center. They wanted a piece of beard so bad. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'll
1: I'll never forget him going back to United Supermarkets Arena. That was the loudest arena I've ever been in. Oh, that was crazy. That was crazy. I'm surprised you can hear now. I know. I've been to to Fog Allen
0: Fieldhouse several times when that place has been absolutely deafening. I've also been there when Kevin Durant dropped 24 on him in the first half and turned that place into a library. That was the that was the quietest I've ever heard of Fog Allen Fieldhouse. And if if KD hadn't twisted his ankle,
1: and by oh. the way, he
0: got a standing ovation when he limped off the court. He came back in the second half, but he wasn't the same. Yeah. But yeah, Fog Allen Fieldhouse. I've been in it when it's rocking and that whatever that spirit arena or whatever they're calling it now, that was insane for 40 minutes and beyond it. They wanted, I mean, they were cussing it, Chris Beard. It was, say the students were lined up around the intramural fields to get into that arena. Oh, I
1: like remember for two Black hours. Kind of- Brock Cunningham coming off the bus and embracing it and like getting the crowd up and somebody, an assistant coach, had to bring Brock down to life. But, yeah, man, I that whole beer thing, it just made them even more pissed off. Even though he's gone now off to Ole Miss and stuff, they're still pissed off. How about this?
0: Andres, uh, Texan, that Tech fan who's – You've got the horns down. Every time he looks down at his tattoo, it's going to be horns up. Idiot. That's an idiot
1: move. That's a great call, Andres. That's an idiot move. I I get it. I get it being the fan, but you could get the bang, bang. You know, the guns oh, up. Yeah. They have logos. Like, it's not like it's Oklahoma and they their logo is literally horns down. You know what I'm saying? Oh, how,
0: like- about, how about this, Zay? Sean Kenna, who is uh, watching us on the YouTube channel, says, Rooster Andrews fitted me for my letter jacket. Wow. Rooster Andrews is a legend. And I'm, I, I regret, you know, we just lost Bill Little, an encyclopedia of Texas athletics history. Man, you got to sit down with these guys before they pass away and get all their stories. And I—that's one of my biggest regrets—was not sitting down with Rooster Andrews more, and getting more of these Bobby Lane stories and more of whatever was going on at campus at that time. I mean, uh, but yeah, that's that's amazing, Sean. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, good
1: looking out, Sean. Sean's always been a big fan of us, so shout man. out to him. Absolutely. Yeah, and
0: he says, God "By the way, Brock Cunningham," you know.
1: Yeah, eighth-year senior, Brock Cunningham. Brock. Wow. I get it, man. He's an Austin Knight. It's hard to leave. (laughs) I I completely get it. It Zay, I need your take.
0: I need your take on this. With a minute left against Miami, it's a tie game, and big boy from Miami goes up over the top of Brock, but Brock took one too many steps backward and undercut him and got called for the foul. If he would have just stood there and let big fella fall down on
1: top of him, it would have been Texas going up two with a minute left. That Go back and watch that again, Chip. And when the ball goes in the air, Brock makes con- – well, Brock's already connected to him because he's playing defense. So before the ball's in the air, he's connected to him. He's just not in the box-out position. But when the ball's launched, Brock starts to box out. So he's doing his work early. And if you go watch the ref that had the assignment of looking at the paint and looking at that action, they're not looking at it there. He's looking up at the ball in the air. So when it's coming down, all he sees is Brock, which my man, I want to say it was Omir, jumps over then. And that's when the call was made. That's one of the worst calls I've ever seen, especially as a former ref. You got to reward Brock Cunningham for what he did early before the ball went his way. Because at that point, it's an over the back. It wasn't like Brock, the dude jumped, and then Brock went right into him and tried to box out. No, he was doing his work early. He was boxing them out while the ball was in the air. It hit the rim, bounced up to O'Meara and Brock Cunningham, and O'Meara jumped over him, which he thought he fouled out at that time. He thought that right. was it. Did. He did. I was there. Yeah, he thought he thought that was it.
0: Yeah, he and was like, uh-oh, he was like.
1: That game was so bogus, man. That, that, it kind of reminded me of the Oklahoma State football game where Oklahoma State had zero penalties. And in that Elite Eight game, Texas, like the foul differential in the second half completely changed the game. And there was a lot of the ticky-tack stuff, which at that point of the season, you let those guys play. Yeah, you, the refs—they don't need to be involved. And it was cr- what's crazy about it—the whole tournament, all the games—they were doing a pretty good job. And then, of course, that game, Texas—they they got screwed over. And yeah, that that was tough. We already knew, and no Dylan Dessou—they would already be at a disadvantage. But just to add insult to injury—well, and call, then when
0: when wow. Marcus Carr rolled his ankle that was when everything turned because they were up 13 with 12 minutes to play. Marcus rolls his ankle with 10 minutes left and it just went Yeah, They couldn't oh, get into man. a flow offensively. They were leaving Timmy Allen and Brock open for shots, but those guys weren't know. feeling it. But Hey, without Dazoo awesome. going up against Omiri, that was, that
1: was rough. It was tough. It was tough. So well, I know we got 10 minutes left. Y'all stay on, even though me and Chip will be off at three. You got Trey Elling and Kevin Dunn coming up next. Trey Elling cannot get enough my dude.
0: <laughs> of airtime on Texas Sports Unfiltered. Does hey, Trey need a him. hug?
1: I, I I get that. Y'all yeah, heard him on. He interrupted Bucky. And those guys, Bucky and BK, this morning. It wasn't even his time slot. They were just talking about him. And I guess his ears were ringing. And he just jumped on the show and interrupted what they had going on. So that's my dude. I absolutely love him. But, yeah, yeah, he's a character. He's absolutely a character.
0: I love it. I love it. Um, All right. So here's a – we got 10 minutes left. And – we'll finish it with a little texas football talk so steve sarkeesian said yesterday his i said what what are your biggest concerns right now fall camp coming to an end kids are back in school so they're practicing in the mornings now and he said penalties because penalties can sneak up on you early in the season and he said some of these position battle calls i gotta make and he did not. He did not list the position battles, but I'll just tell you what the position battles are that are causing him not heartburn, but you know it's going to be hard to tell the other guy, hey man, you're not going out there first. And I will say that the uh, there's going to be a little bit of heartburn at the receiver position. Whoever it is, if it's Isaiah Nayer who's not getting the starting nod when he absolutely would have been a starter last year, it's weak side linebacker where you got David Benda and Mo Blackwell and Anthony Hill. All those dudes have had good camps. They're all going to play, but one of them's going to go out there first. Corner, Zay, where I'm telling you. Ryan Watts better watch out because you got Terrence Brooks and Gavin Holmes, and I'm hearing Malik Muhammad could be breathing down Ryan Watts' neck at boundary corner. Wow! You got Terrence Brooks, you got Gavin Holmes, and here comes Malik Muhammad. Now I don't think I don't think Malik's gonna get there, but he's been playing really well. I mean, he's been playing really well. So, like I said. Watch the rotations at corner in the rice game. Like you don't think, oh, I don't need to watch the rice game. Yes, you do. Cause you need to watch the rotations at some of these positions where it's a close call uh, and all this depth that Sarkeesian has been talking about all this depth and talent. Let's, let's see it for our own eyeballs, but watch how the rotations at corner are going. And then at buck end, you got Ethan Burke, you got Justice Finkley, you got Colton Vosick, you got Jamon Tapp. I mean, and listen, some someone, I think Colton Vosick's going to end up backing up Baron Sorrell, okay? So you're going to have Ethan Burke on one end with Justice Finkley and Jamon Tapp, and at that jack-end position, you're going to have Baron Sorrell backed up by Colton Vosick, because I think, you know, when Baron Sorrell – Moves on to the NFL, um, and we don't need to rush that. I know we got Barry Sorrell listening. You know, hmm. dad will be like, yeah, yeah, rush it. Get those sacks. Yeah, Let's get, get, get that paper,
1: baby. Get that paper, I'm, baby. Dad's trying to retire. Dad limited shelf life as
0: a, as a football player. I get it. I get it. But anyway, I think Colton Vosick's going to end up backing up Baron Sorrell. Now, of course, Barry Sorrell could just flat out tell me if I'm right. You know, if if Barry's still listening, you know, Barry, you can help a brother out. Helping, help. you know, it's just <laughs> no one's listening. No one's listening. It's just us talking. So feel free. Because that's the guy they call Baby Bosa is Baby Colton Vosick. Bosa. Colton Vosick. And I know, I know, Zay's like, hey, man, don't be throwing around Baby <sighs> Bosa.
1: I know, man. Even, hey, they're probably talking about Nick, but Joey Bosa, he ain't no slouch either. Both right. Bosa brothers, they get the job done for the Chargers and the 49ers. But we need yeah, Joey I, to stay healthy. And yeah, Nick. yeah, that's true. That's absolutely true. But, yeah, Colton Vasek, just watching him at Westlake dominate, he has all the tools to be a really good edge rusher, has very good bend and twerk, and, yeah, he's just young, and that's what's always scary. Yeah, exactly. I like that. Yeah, Yeah, when guys are so young, you just never know from game to game, and especially that freshman wall, you never know when it's going to come. You just well, Is,
0: is twerk like a cross between Twitch and work ethic?
1: Basically. You know, twerk like, you know. Just- yeah. <laughs> I'm just a little twerking. You're twerking, baby. <laughs> I'm twerking my way to the quarterback. Don't you see what I'm doing? It sounds good. That needs to be on your football vocabulary from here on out. But, uh yeah, man, I – I'm very confident in Baron Sorrell. Those other guys, I just don't know. Like Ethan Burke, he has everything that you need to be a good edge rusher, but you got to have reps. You got to get experience out there to really see. And, you know, with how good and how deep The interior line is, you talked about the packages that Pete Kukowski could throw out there where we might see three of those interior linemen guys on the line based on the matchup. You might see more of that. Like Alfred Collins, he has that in him. I'm not saying every down or every play, but you should be able to move him around just because he's that freaky athletic and has the body type where he should be able to move around depending on the matchup. So I... As big of a question mark is on that other side of Baron Sorrell for the edge rushers. I think that with the interior line and how good they could be and how deep they could be and how you can move multiple guys around, it might not be as much as a question mark as we're thinking, but you know, at the end of the day, this team, like you talk about Ryan Watts, maybe not being a sure end thing like we thought he was. Hey, Hey, just because you were a starter last year doesn't mean you will be a starter this year, especially if there's dudes braiding down your neck. And Ryan Watts, he might have been in camp thinking that, oh, I got this in the bag. I'm not going to exert too much energy. I'm going to save that for the regular season. You might get got doing that. So be careful. We know we heard about Ryan Watts getting toasted in the Saturday scrimmage and stuff, and I didn't think too much of it. But what you just said now got me thinking a little bit more about, hey, nobody's safe on this team. And that's how it should be. I, I'm good with that. Like, I'm good with nobody being safe. I think at the end of the day, Ryan Watts is a gamer and wants the bright lights come on then he'll really bring it but if he hasn't had the best camp and there's other guys underclassmen like a Malik Muhammad guys like Terrence Brooks Gavin Holmes coming from Wake Forest having a lot to prove if those guys are chipping in there when it comes to hitting that depth chart then hey it is what it is put the best players out there you don't have time for anybody's feelings and two guys
0: whose names I I keep hearing and the guy who I just freaking love is Jelani McDonald. Jelani McDonald looks like a young Cam Chancellor. Oh, and man. he's he's a six foot two, hundred and ninety-eight pound corner. He looks like a monster. And yeah. I love him, and you know what Gary Patterson told me? He said, "Listen, I coached his dad. His dad was a monster." He said, "I am watching Jelani McDonald because he said I think he's got the bloodlines to be a beast."
1: I so love Texas hearing fans, that, man.
0: Put that in your back pocket, Jelani McDonald. I'll even tell you his number, Jelani McDonald. Is number 25 Jamal Charles number?
1: There we go. All right, there we go. There's a little it's, news you can use. Well, Jamal Charles is eligible for the 2024 Pro Football Hall of Fame. Before Put him we, in. Got, we got one minute, that's where I'm at, too. Put him in, he broke, right? He broke, he broke, he broke, uh, my man, uh,
0: oh, the great Cleveland Browns running back. My God,
1: he He broke broke his yards
0: per carry record. Jim Brown. Oh, I'm about to say, hey, okay, yeah, Jim Brown. He broke broke Jim Brown's yards per carry record, all-time NFL yards per carry record. Jamal Charles now owns that record. Come on, man. He's the all-time yards per carry leader in NFL history. You got to put him in the Pro Football Hall of Fame
1: just like you're going to have to put Justin Tucker in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Yeah, Justin Tucker is easy, but Chip, well, unfortunately, we are out of time. You and I, we could talk forever. Oh, Trey. gosh. There he is, just interrupting like he's been interrupting all the shows today. He's the How night doing, talker, Trey? man.
0: He's the night talker and the YouTube stalker. <laughs> all right, I am the Texas Sports Unfiltered stalker. I thought you were going to tell us some sort of statistic that – Jamal Charles broke of Ernest Biner at first. (laughs) Jim Brown, though. And that yards for carry makes sense. He was ridiculous, obviously, yards for carry-wise. I mean, come on. Put him in. Yeah, Put him in. K-Dunn, what's up, baby? Yo, what's up, guys? How are y'all, man? K-Dunn.
1: Chip. Good, brother. How are you doing?
0: I mean, I'm still here, brother. I'm still breathing. That's all I'm getting up in the morning texting calling people over on the 40 acres doing what you do i mean some people collect wine some people collect stamps i collect phone numbers you know what i mean (laughs) (laughs) it's a sad pathetic life my dad always said why are you calling why are you bothering people it's a hell of a lot better than chip uh, shot glasses chip (laughs) (laughs) that's true (laughs) yeah don't collect shot glasses they take up way too much space and they break and then you're cleaning up glass and all that all and right, fellas, like, yeah. we'll let you we'll let you take it from here. Kevin Dunn, it's good to see you, man. You're looking good. You are too, man. Good to see you. We're getting older, Chip, but you know, trying to like you said, trying to keep breathing. You know, that's right, baby. All right, <laughs> have a good show, fellas. Bye, guys. Good job, guys. Good job tomorrow. Thank you tomorrow. So much.